0: For me, when I started seeing how God was working in people and them developing, again, discovering truth and their lives changing, I, I remember I was leading worship one day and I was like, I've really just enjoyed practicing with people and talking about spiritual things and yeah. helping them move in their lives. And I, I don't think I'm the right person to be leading up here anymore. Huh. The My heart, God turned something on in my heart hmm. to what I, you know, what wasn't there before.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Communitas Podcast. I'm with Joy Preston today. I'm Jeff Reinhardt, and we're excited today to have a conversation with a dear old friend to the organization and lots of experience, international experience, and in a new role with us right now. So we look forward to having a conversation today with Brad Smith. Brad, thanks, man. You're coming to us from Virginia, I think, right now. Yeah?
0: Correct. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And uh, from Richmond, Virginia
1: excellent so Brad for for those in the organization many of us of course in the organization know you but there are those outside of the organization so we like to start with kind of a introduction and tell us a little bit about your your history I know that you have served overseas uh, we'd love to hear about that and uh kind of what brings you to where you are today so give us a give us some intro there
0: yeah sure I joined the organization in 2016 uh, I mean I guess technically this 2015. But yeah, and we went overseas to France Got a what I would call a very clear call to go work at this specific church in the south of France. I had been overlooked multiple times for worship director positions in the States and finally decided I was going to think outside the box. And so I had been encouraged by my uncle to look at overseas positions to do anything. It wasn't thinking music at all at that point. So I checked Communitas's website. was the first website I checked. There was an open position on it for a worship director in the south of France that spoke English. I thought that was odd. I had no intention of actually uh, taking the position. After two years of being turned down, I thought, well, I'll just throw my hat in and see what happens. And <laughs> my wife, I think, was even more surprised. When We got an email back uh, from the pastor of the church. Uh, Turned out he was from the area that we were currently living and working in, in San Luis Obispo, California. Knew my father, had gone to India with the pastor of my church. Hmm. I already knew who I was. Basically just said, hey, Brad, let's fast track this. Why don't you come out? We really want you. (laughs) And. I was just like, oh crap, where's the, where's the brakes? Yeah. <laughs> how do I, how do I stop this? What did I open myself up to? But yeah, through that, the Lord really did some awesome work in me and shaped us for a mission. And I think even probably placed the larger calling on my heart that I, that is what we're doing now, which is just really to develop people. I love uh, helping people grow. Yeah. went to France, was there for three years uh, transitioned to the Netherlands, worked with uh, Remco on our advancement team there. Yeah, got to see God do some cool stuff. And then now we're back here. So um, yeah. that's a kind of a brief, a brief summary.
1: Yeah, thanks. Well, there are a few things I'd love to pursue there. First of all, how about a little bit of your spiritual kind of itinerary growing up? What what brought you to the place where you were wanting to be a music director, for example?
0: Sure. I, I grew up in a, a Christian household. I would say faith was real for me at the age of five. I remember sitting at the at the breakfast table eating a bowl of Frosted Flakes.
1: Well, um, of course, and, <laughs> that's how that's how the spirit works. Now,
0: right, everything is so clear uh, of that memory, and I remember thinking very clearly, based off of perhaps a Sunday school. Uh, hell was a place I didn't want to go. And Jesus was my ticket to to not go there. So uh. Uh, I said, Jesus, I want to be with you. And that was that I would have called that my, my kind of initial conversion, but uh, grew up in a very spiritual and, and I would say, real Jesus following household. Mm. My dad was an associate pastor, as well as a music pastor at different churches. And so I kind of grew up a PK, but we had missionaries over in the house from time to time. Uh, We had music in the house all the time. Mm. I started on the band, the worship band when I was in, I think I was in high school. Uh, I started playing guitar for the worship band. And by the time I hit university, I had been asked to lead some of the youth bands. And then I started uh, doing it on the side as a side job throughout my university years and And uh, yeah, continue to do that. There's a, is it Eugene Peterson, maybe? He says, I think he's got a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Yeah. I would say that for the most part, that probably more or less accurately sums up my life. There's a few detours there, but they're pretty short lived. I would call myself maybe not the most mature person, but I I think there's depth of spiritual maturity there of just following Jesus for so many years. Like, I don't really know what it means to not believe Mm. in God. Yeah. Like if someone asked like what would life be if you didn't believe? It's like I I have no reference point. Like that would be like denying my own existence. Like I right. just I can't picture it. I can't conceptualize it. It doesn't make sense.
1: It's like asking a fish to describe the water.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah absolutely. That's a good a good way to put it. How did we get into mission? I think because of my family upbringing, I've been exposed to missionaries and the idea of mission from a very early age. One of my grandfathers was a missionary in Singapore for Hmm. a fair number of years. My other grandfather actually had a house church, although I don't know if he would have called that, but I'd call it that when you look at the facts now. Sure. In his older age, when they were out of retirement age, they started up a house group. And I mean, they ended up having something like 20, 25 people come every Wednesday night. He would teach on something or other. And there has been a missional impulse, I think, from a, a very early age. In university, I, I really had the desire for one reason or another to get out of a Western context. Mm-hmm. So I went with crew to East Asia. Oh. And that was that was really fun. And I had decided more or less that I didn't want to be a missionary after that trip. Right. <laughs> I ended up getting a degree in music, but I was working all along at a, in a bike shop, which cycling always been a big passion and hobby of mine. And the the bike shop job actually paid really well and was, was paying the bills. And But we, Hannah and I felt that God was calling us into full-time ministry in some way, shape or form. So yeah. being a worship director was the natural avenue yeah. to search out things when we started doing that it was two years later and then we started thinking about going overseas that's kind of uh, how we got there
1: what role does music play for you now
0: oh that's a good question i love music music is uh, did i say in the question you asked earlier about you know what gives you life music gives me life for sure mm. uh, i play guitar i love playing guitar i love talking music a funny thing i think there's a kind of a natural thought around how Oh, well, you like music, be, you know, do music in the church. While that was good, I realized actually while I was in France that I really enjoyed developing the team members Mm. much better than I enjoyed leading worship on a Sunday. Yeah. And we were seeing some success uh, outside of that as well. And my heart was over there. But as a personal thing, whether even as worship to the Lord or just my own personal growth, I love music. I think it's a universal language. It stirs the soul and the emotions and is, is such a powerful tool, very into music.
1: You mentioned that when you were in France, that you discovered your desire to develop leaders and work with people. And I know that's a big part of, of who you are and what you do through coaching, through training. You exist right now as the training director for Communitas, and we'll get into more of that here in a moment. But what was that shift like in the people development? and And is that what what yeah. kind of brought you about to, to move to the Netherlands?
0: Yes, sort of. The, I think it happened, you know, it was something God was doing, honestly. And I would say it started before we left for France with me reading Matthew and then Jesus telling his disciples, you know, go and make more disciples and train them, baptizing them in the Father and training them to obey all that I've commanded. I was really convicted. It was like a Holy Spirit smackdown moment of like, hey— you have no idea how to do that, Brad. Mm. You're going to go overseas. You're going to lead worship at a church. That's like a two, maybe three-day-a-week job. So what else are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and so I just felt convicted, not for myself, but I, I really believe the Holy Spirit, because he was sending me on a journey. Through that, I discovered the the DBS processes and the, the disciple-making movement methodology, reading a few books. And I thought, well— I don't want to get there and like still not have this figured out. I'm going to try some of this. So I went around to all my coworkers at the bike shop that I was at who, who knew me and who knew that I led music and I'd bring my guitar to, to work all the time. Then we, you know, I'd go off and lead worship in and, and the evenings after. And I had even shared the gospel with a fair number of them, and it never really amounted to any. Um I mean, who knows? Excuse me. I don't know what it amounted to. There you go. I changed my tack and thought, well, I can invite someone to go get a drink with me and read a passage of Scripture. That seems easy enough. I just asked everybody in the the shop, hey, you want to go to this bar? And we'll take a look at the Bible and see if there's anything useful in it. Four people said, yeah, that sounds interesting. And I started this group. Uh, before even leaving. And God really used that as like a nine-month kind of hardcore learning process for me of seeing what parts of it worked, where I needed to grow. But I realized that watching the Holy Spirit reveal truth to someone else is the coolest thing I'd ever done in my entire life. That's where I think some of the people development part already was in motion. And then I didn't really realize or think of it this way before, but as a worship leader, I had been probably overly focused on the development of the music Mm. side Mm -hmm. and not as focused as I should have been on the development of the people who were actually making the music. Um, but God began to shift that as well in the way that I saw people could could grow through this simple uh, DBS process. And so in the combination of those two things, we I started looking for opportunities to start groups in the city. I started using the worship team as an excuse to do mission in the city. Like mm-hmm. I alternated the worship team practice schedule so that they would only play every other week. And then so one week we'd have practice and on the off weeks, we'd do a DBS together, but we would do it in the city. And so we would go to a local restaurant. And then there'd be, you know, there's a small church. There's like two, maybe four of us. Yeah. We would sit there and have Bible study in the restaurant huh. just to expose and see what God would do and see what would happen. Well, because of that, I met this other gal, Thai gal, and she had a little Thai restaurant. And through us doing the Bible study in her, in her restaurant, she got to start experiencing God. And I ended up giving her a Bible. And actually one of the gals who's on who's with the Communitas now, she was on the worship team, Danny, hmm. her name, she's in Geneva, she ended up working there for a while. And just so all these avenues for influence and sharing of Jesus became possible. And I just got to witness God doing all these things, because I was willing to, I guess, just say yes, yeah. um, and try mm-hmm. stuff and, and and see what happened. And for me, when I started seeing how God was working in people and them developing, again, Discovering truth and their lives changing. I I remember I was leading worship one day, and I was like, I really just enjoy practicing with people and talking about spiritual things and helping them move in their lives. And I, I don't think I'm the right person to be leading up here anymore. The my heart, God turned something on in my heart Hmm. to what I you know, what wasn't there before. And so, yeah, that is how I got to the Netherlands. I was doing fuel with Communitas and we met in The Hague uh, one time. Fuel was a a leadership training that we're currently working on a replacement for. Yeah. Uh, We met in The Hague, uh, one of the cohort, and I met. that's when I met Remco. And uh, I think I had been invited to go out with uh, Dave Fisher and Al Dick, and we're all going to go for a drink. And they were introducing me to their Dutch friend, uh, Remco. And I was like, okay, great. You know, we all thought we were going to talk to each other. And then Remco and I just ended up talking the whole time. We were on the same page of synchronicity on what, what would movement look like? What would be working with multiple churches look like? What if we did this and they did that? And then it furred on. And, and so we just had the same vision and passion for what we thought ministry could look like. And and so we started having conversations. And, and I I think I just recognized that that seemed like where the Lord was moving us. There were a few other things in that as well, and, and some even some spiritual things that helped informed that decision. But God opened up that pathway. And so that's how we ended up at the Netherlands.
1: And you got to hone some of those skills of leadership development and people development. And yeah, what led you into coaching?
0: The Netherlands, we we were seeing the success of what we were doing in France. We we're seeing God use, we were seeing God move, we we're seeing people even discipling each other, we were seeing, uh, we did a training with students, and, and then a few of them went off and started DBSs in their dorms. And so by that point, I realized, oh, if I could train other people to do this, we could really start going somewhere, as opposed to just trying to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think fueled a lot of the conversation for going to the Netherlands was like, what if the whole role was to network with churches, find a few small groups, train them and let them take it and run with it and then just kind of coach them along afterwards. And so, so that sounded super exciting to me. The problem was I couldn't get into the Netherlands on a religious worker visa hmm. anymore. So those had all been canceled for the country. I had to f- figure out how to work in some way as far as the government was concerned. And so I had heard about coaching through uh, one of the GEM people, and as I looked into it, I realized it very closely, I don't want to say mirrored, but it has a similar process to the DBS process of group Bible study. You're, you're really more focused on asking questions, and you're not focused on telling people what they need to know. Yeah. Your, your goal is to help them just pull out what the spirit might want them to to learn. And so in coaching, I, uh, I'm not going to tell you the answer because I'm going to assume I don't have it. How do I help you discover it? What the best thing is for you to do? And so it, it was that like, I know I like this. So I guess shifting to an individual perspective, yeah, if, if this is some kind of avenue that could get me a legitimate visa Uh, to get into the country I'll pursue it and so I decided I took Keith Webb's training the coaching mastery one the week-long one Yeah, got I mean by the God's grace got my visa to start a coaching business in the Netherlands I officially started a coaching business in the Netherlands I didn't make any money at it but had a great time it's a lot of work yeah ton of hustle I hated the hustle but yeah that's how I got into coaching
1: yeah, coaching has become such an important part of our ethos at Communitas with people that we onboard and stay in relationship with as they're sent to various places. I know what coaching has been transformative for me in the last 10 years that I've been engaged as uh, having a coach and also coaching others. So it's a big deal. How would you say Communitas, from your perspective in kind of a training role and working with staff care and development, how would you say coaching has impacted or helped to transform what we're about
0: I think uh, for me personally it's been huge because I mean I have a coach and and we talk often and so I I try to lead from a coaching mindset mm-hmm. um and I think one of the things or we learn from coaching at least I learned is is that there is a time for it and there's a time yeah. not for it and uh knowing the difference of when to coach and when not to coach and and I think so like for example um when you're having a conversation with your wife, it's probably not the best time to start <laughs> up a, a coaching conversation because she may just want you to listen or at least that's how my wife responds yeah. to me. She's like, I don't want you to help me solve this problem. I just want you to, she was like, tell me, let me, let me tell you ahead of time. I'm not looking to act no, on this. <laughs> I just want yeah. you to listen. I learned that. And I have, I, obviously I still love coaching. One of the main reasons I stopped running the business as it were was I I determined that I really only wanted to coach cross-cultural mm-hmm. missional workers. Mm-hmm. That was that was like the thing, the only niche I really wanted to coach because I had a heart for those people. And um and I know that it's so hard. So so anyways, because of that I I just I paired everything back and I was like I just I just want to focus on these people. As a as a team and organization, I think what's really cool about Communitas is we are willing to say this is where coaching comes in. So it's a roundabout way to get to your answer. We are willing to say that we might not have mm-hmm. the right answer, or we don't know the answer. And I think that takes a big, a big leader. It takes a lot of guts, I think, to say that. And and I think where we where we're going, where we're getting to, is like, but the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit does. And so when I think of dynamic adventure, uh, especially as a as a group discernment process there is that sense that that god is going somewhere and we can join with him which means we got to be asking the questions okay where is he going and how do we how do we get on board and how do we stay on board and that that means i think we we need coaching in the organization i don't know how we would do it another way to be to be honest like i don't know how you could it would have to be i guess some other kind of top down mentality if someone dictating, okay, well, this is where the Holy Spirit's going. So this is where we're going, which contextually, I don't know how that works either. I just got off a call with another training uh, director in a different organization. And he was talking about how they share the gospel in Japan. And I was like, oh, that's Hmm. so cool. But it's like so different than I've ever heard it done in the U.S. And so we have to be able to trust God that he has the answer. Um, And John says the Holy Spirit's job is to guide us Hmm. into all truth from that sense, I feel like, okay, well, that means prayer and coaching. Prayer to seek God directly, coaching to have someone else help pull it out and discern with you what is what is the Spirit saying and what do you need to do? What do we need to be doing? And so I just think it's so healthy to say, I don't know what's right for you, but I know someone who does. So let's, let's figure this out together. And so that mentality Uh, within Communitas, I think in general is like really strong and healthy and and beneficial.
1: Yeah, for sure. You mentioned dynamic adventure, which gets discussed a lot in the context of this podcast, but that is a a resource. It's a, a guide to starting and shaping missional churches. We've been using that as an internal resource for a number of years now. And what we discovered pretty early on was the power of this resource. Our first kind of step into training that was to do in person training and and we do that and we've done that extraordinarily well for a number of years and then covid hit and everybody kind of started changing their processes and and realizing that there are some really good tools to to provide distance learning and certainly lower the cost of in person training mm-hmm. and things like that so yeah talk about some of the initiatives that you're working on now with, within the organization and Yeah, what that looks like as we move forward.
0: Mm, Yeah, when I took on this role, I think I really, I recognized and believed that there were a lot of people within the organization who were very gifted and uh, could do a lot of good Uh, things, but I didn't know about it. And so I had to assume that nobody else knew about it either. That basically, so in a nutshell, uh, the first year has been figuring out um, what can we already do that will plug gaps, fill holes? Um, what can we already do that's going to benefit people? And how do we get that get that out there? The second level of that, though, I think perhaps comes from my own background of, of running some of the training. So when I, we went to the Netherlands, I developed two trains. One was basically just a six-week version of how, to, how mm-hmm. to do a DBS. And then the other was how do you find someone who's potentially interested in doing mm-hmm. a DBS with you? when we would offer those to churches or I found that it was really uh, enjoyable and helpful for them to interact and having kind of a mixed group of people. I think one of the things I hope to see start happening within communitas is to even think kind of outside mm. that box of just training staff, but giving staff and mm. lay people opportunity to co-mingle in the same training and development. And so I talking to Marty and He had this passion for this church of two, which is basically, it's like an emotional awareness kind of course between you and someone else um, and just being really vulnerable, um, but in a safe way that allows you to connect with that other person and, and encourage them. You bring the Holy Spirit into it, obviously. So it can be really powerful um, and and really healthy and necessary for, especially for people working cross-culturally, but anybody working uh, Believers. We're really excited with what's happening there.
1: Brad and I got to have a great conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I know that you have a really big heart and you're super relational and all the things you're talking about are tools that are helpful for people, but I'm curious or wondering if you'd be willing to share a little bit of your own journey in the last year or two as you've transitioned going back to the states are there any things that you found that were really helpful and tools you're hoping to put on the shelf for training to help other people transition as they're coming back from cross-cultural work
0: yes Uh, a tool that I am hoping to put on the shelf at some point is a a debrief of some sort Mm. um that is on my radar because I think they're really helpful and handy and um yeah, people have all kinds of stuff that they bring back with them when they come back and so um, a debrief was really good for me. I we did one with uh, I knew a gal who did them while we we're in France and so I reached out to her. So that's a tool that I would love you know speaking specifically uh, for mm-hmm. the the from the perspective of retransition for me personally yeah there's there's just boy, how do you say it uh there's mm-hmm. just stuff. <laughs> There's mm. just stuff. Things are just different. Life's different. You're not the same person. You were the, the place you're moving back to. You said within the last two years. So I'm speaking specifically the right. last two years. The place you've that was home isn't mm. home anymore. We're obviously in Virginia, which was was never home. <laughs> um, mm. it is now. Uh, coaching, what's helpful? Counseling mm. is yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Get a good counselor. Uh, coaching is great, get a good coach, meet with these people. I'd, I'd get a coach, a spiritual director, and a counselor and meet with all three yeah. of them. All those things are going to be really helpful. For my own personal life, I went through EHL, Emotionally Healthy Leadership, but the processes are very similar in in Emotionally Healthy Relationships and Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Yeah, the, so there were some processes that I developed uh, through reading those that material and, and practicing some of that stuff that has been mm-hmm. super helpful. I also got connected to a journey group um and that's where I discovered uh some of the stuff that we do with the in the CO2. Mm. That stuff I it was so helpful that I pulled it from the CO2 and attached it to our family Bible mm. study that we do with my kids and my wife. And so we just included it and adopted it in and um because it's so good. So long story short there's not I don't know if there's one thing Except, give yourself a lot of grace, and mm. uh, and it's okay to cry and feel like a fool. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That's important. That's so, profound. Yeah, I, you know, I think there's there can be a tendency to romanticize cross cultural mission, and then you get in the field and you realize it probably isn't all that you had in your mind it was going to be, and then you you adapt culturally and learn and grow and you're right when you come back it's a one because time has passed it's a different world and you're a different person and it that's that's not an easy transition to make so just want to make sure people have a realistic understanding of of this life that we're called to and the great (laughs) joys but also the, the hard things too
0: yeah, it was, it's really hard. It, it's good, obviously. But so like the verses that mean so much more to me than they ever meant before. Uh, like when Jesus says, whoever's left home or, you know, family, father, mother, mm-hmm. country, for my sake, uh, that stuff starts to hit home mm-hmm. in a new way, for sure. Because like when we left for France, it wasn't, okay, we're going for a year and then we're coming home. Uh, we sold everything. We were, yeah. we were gone. And that's a different mindset. That's not like I have somewhere mm. to go back to. I didn't have anywhere mm. to go back to. And that that shift is very different uh for a, a cross-cultural missionary because they're all in. Not completely, but on some level, the yeah. ships are burned. Yeah. So when you make that shift, you you but it's so good because God fills in the mm. gap. Yeah. <laughs> it takes it takes time and it takes a while, but He he really does want to be our everything he really does want to supply every need he really does he really can Mm -hmm. supply every need and i think that's been probably my biggest One of been one of my biggest overseas journeys has been just the 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 personal stripping of god showing me you know okay here's a dependency we're gonna take that away Here's a dependency. We're mm. going to take that away. Here's another one. We're going to take that away. And some of those happen real abrupt, right? Because you yeah. you move. <laughs> You're faced with the reality of having to deal with them in one swell, fell swoop, which can cause a lot of mm. problems, as you might imagine for some people. Uh, I'll just try and share a quick story about how it like looked for us landing in France. It was like a we're not in Kansas anymore moment. We you know had been gearing up to go to France for about a year and a half. Our, our brains and our mindset was like, okay, we're going to France. Now, France is is actually fairly multicultural, which we didn't yep. know. And I, being the brilliant uh, travel agent <laughs> that I am, scheduled a, uh overnight for us in Paris for two nights because the time when we were arriving in France was right around uh, Bastille Day. So one day there was no flights going anyway. So it was like, well, we'll just... And everything goes through Charles de Gaulle anyway. So we had to stay in near Paris for a night. Um, and then we would, I think, two nights, then we'd fly uh, down to Aix-en-Provence. where we were not really knowing what I was doing. I found a great deal on an apartment in Saint-Denis. <laughs> and if you know anything about Paris, Saint-Denis is, I don't know if they call it the Muslim quarter, but it's, it's basically where mostly all North African descent yeah. Uh, people living and, and all the culture that comes with it, which is fine if that's what you're expecting, but we weren't. And so we left and arrived in Charles de Gaulle and then we are driving up and we get to our spot and I'm like, I thought I was going to Paris. I, I think I just landed in the Middle East. Yeah. This is, Mm -hmm. this is not where I thought I was. Um, Where are the
1: berets and the baguettes?
0: (laughs) Right. Where are the berets and baguettes? Uh, So we basically slept the whole first day because we were so tired. But then, the next day on Bastille Day, two thousand sixteen, was the day that uh, a guy drove a bus through like fifty people on the American Mm -hmm. Pullman in Nice that same year. So all of a sudden, we're getting all these messages: uh, "Hey, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? We just heard something happen." And um, and we were, you know, with with where we were staying in Saint Denis, it was kind of like. Oh my gosh, where am I? Where did I just bring my family to? What have I done? Mm -hmm. I must've made the wrong decision. How is this? You know, so just every question about, you know, what we were supposed to be doing arose. It was just so funny how, um, just to share like what you're saying, it's very different than what you expect. Yeah. It's, it's Mm -hmm. for us, it was the minute we stepped off the plane, everything was different than what we had expected and planned for. Yeah, so in training we're trying to prepare people for that yeah. really. That's really what we're trying to gear people up for. Yeah. Is
1: uh it's going to be way different. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good lesson. Wow. Well, Brad as we uh wrap this up, I you know, I'm just so moved by the very beginning of this that you have been inseparable from the spirit since the age of 5 and that is that is just a mm-hmm. beautiful story in itself, um, it also really makes me want to do a business as mission venture to open a cereal bar that primarily highlights Frosted <laughs> Flakes. You know, that could be. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, that could. there's some anointed flakes. Yeah, yeah, anointed flakes. How can people get a hold of you, Brad?
0: Yeah, best way is probably through email, just uh, bsmith at gocommunitas.org. Uh, I am constantly trying to improve my social media presence and I'm always failing at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say that's the best way, uh, but yeah, just reach out uh, via email and I'll, I'll respond.
1: And we'll also put in the show notes, some of the things you've referred to and make sure people can get access to both you and to those resources, whether they're internal or external. A lot of them are external resources that have been extraordinarily valuable for us. So Well, Brad, thanks so much for this time today. Really appreciate you taking time out and having a conversation with us. And um, Mm. who you are is more important than what you do. Uh, But I also will say the work that you're engaged in right now is so meaningful uh, to the organization and is helping us really take some big steps forward. So you are much, much appreciated, Mm. my friend.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I'm honored to be here. And thanks for having me on and look forward to seeing what God's going to do with all of us together.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Well, friends, you've been listening to another episode of the Communitas podcast. If you like this podcast and want to recommend it to your friends, we encourage you to do so. We're available on all the major streaming platforms and you can subscribe and get notified every time a new episode drops. So please do that and feel free to leave us reviews as well. Those are much appreciated. And we look forward to being with you again on the next episode of the Communitas podcast.